We're live, Jimmy. We're back. We're back. Episode number two. Episode two, King of the Court podcast with Tyler Loom. The reviews were in and everybody was raving about the first episode and wanting us to do a second one. And so here we are. We're, we're excited. We're excited about episode two. But before we get going, we already have a sponsor for this podcast and it is called thepicklershop.com. And essentially they're an online retailer where they sell paddles, bags, balls, almost any, any, anything pickleball related. You can go there and check them out. And also, since they are sponsoring this podcast, uh, you'll be able to save yourself 10% at checkout by using code AMBASSADOR. So make sure you go there and get some more paddles. That you, you need a lot more paddles, don't you, Jimmy? I do. I do. I love the Pickler Shop. That's actually where I buy all of my pickleball gear. So I highly recommend going there. Huge selection. Yep, they carry almost every brand right now, all the top brands, uh, they have them. And what's really cool about them is they do pretty much one day shipping if you order by a certain time awesome. in the day. And so uh, for anybody looking for gifts or anything like that. The so, Amazon of pickleball shops. Exactly. So be sure to check them out, thepicklershop.com, and also use code AMBASSADORS to save yourself a little bit extra um, at checkouts. Awesome. So let's get into it. Uh, how was your weekend? It was good. It was good. Yeah. I actually spent my weekend watching pickleball, which might be surprising. Shocking. Big tournament last weekend, North Carolina Open. Yeah. So I got to in interrupt you. So I had a quite, quite a few people come up to me and they're like, who was your co-host? And I said, Jimmy. And they said, who is he? And I told them who you were and they said, he knows everything about pickleball. <laughs> and I was all like, I know. He's one of those guys that knows everything. I don't know how he knows it, but he knows everything about everyone every tournament and all the Listen, latest drama, everything like that. The guys that can't play are the ones that can coach or know it the best. So <laughs> it makes sense for we, me. We love them. We love those types. So yeah, I honestly, I watched a lot of pickleball. So I think North Carolina was huge for the PPA. I think it was huge for pickleball in general. Obviously the big draw was Jack Sock. Everybody was excited about seeing how he would do. Um, I think we'll get right to it. And I'll say that the, I would say the results were very mixed. I think that um, just thinking about things that you and I have talked about in the past, all these tennis players, there's a guy that posts on one of the forums. I don't even remember his name. He's kind of a clown, but he keeps saying when the D1 tennis players come, Ben Johns is going to get knocked off the podium. Tyler Lung is going to get knocked off the podium. Riley Newman, Matt Wright. There's no real D1 tennis players in pickleball. And he was the only person he's ever giving any credit for is Matt Wright for playing D1 tennis. And he keeps talking about all his buddies and when they come play D1 tennis. Well, now we have someone that was beyond D1 tennis. We're talking top 10 in the world doubles player. He was number eight, I think, in singles at one point. And he went one and done in men's doubles. Yep. He also won. He also mixed won doubles. mixed doubles. Yep. So like we said, mixed results, right? Yep. So I think that we'll start with, let's start with, men's doubles okay so let's start with singles since singles, okay, let's start with first. singles. Yep. singles so he won his first two matches in singles yep he played anton goots anton uh, first round yep first and round and um who was the second round and then he had i can't remember who he played in the second round but he there was a big upset so he avoided james ignatowich oh he played the guy that beat ignatowich that's right uh uh naveen beasley that's right beasley yeah. yep that's right beasley who by the way, if you've watched him play, absolutely rips the ball. Yeah. That guy stands at the baseline and hits nukes. 
<laughs> like it was, it was insane. But the guy like Jack Sock with, you know, 140 mile per hour tennis serve, it probably doesn't phase him. Yep. And so, yeah, so he picked up two big wins there and then he played, I don't know how to say his last name, Jake Kuss, Kussmeiter? I think it's Kussmeiter. Kussmeiter. Yeah. Um, and he ended up essentially losing to Jake. That was in three, right? Yep. It was yep. in three. Quarter, yep. Technically the quarters, right? I think Jake got almost a little lucky in that third game because he went up really big. I think he almost went up 10-0. Yeah. And then Jack made a big run. And had Jake not had that lead in the beginning of that third game, it, it may have been a little bit different. Yeah, but. absolutely. <clears throat> and the thing with Jack is obviously he's very, very skilled. Yep. I mean, he's extremely skilled. He's big. He's strong. He's got the length. Um, you know, <clears throat> singles is... You know, we've heard it from every single pickleball pro, right? The tennis players, when they come over, singles is where they're going to excel the fastest. Yeah. And, and we've seen it. I mean, you know, but when they get into doubles, that's where the game changes. The question I think a lot of people would like to have answered is, how long has Jack been playing? I don't know if you saw the tweet, but um, Jack claims, I don't know if he was joking or not, but he claims that he had just started playing after the bubbly event. Yeah. Uh, serious, but then a lot of people went back and did some research and they show posts, videos of him uh, playing within the past five to six years or something yeah. like that. Yeah, so everything I've seen is that he's been playing for at least five years. Yeah. I think that pickleball is weird because there's so many people that like I know have been playing for a lot longer <laughs> and for whatever reason, it's like you give yourself your own little street cred by saying <laughs> you've been playing a shorter amount of time and yep. look how good and how fast you got. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Like it... You know, I don't, I don't know why that's that way in pickleball, but that's a really common thing. Even for amateurs, there's yep. amateurs that I like, I'm like, dude, I played with you in 2017 and you just said that you started playing competitively in 2019. Yeah. Like that's a weird, I don't understand why that gives you street cred, but yeah, I think a lot a of people thing. just like to do it because it makes them feel better. Say, Oh, I've only been playing X amount of time yeah. when they're up here rather than sure. where they should be down and, here. And I think there's a difference between playing recreationally and playing competitively, but Let's not pretend that Jack Sock is going out to the local Muni and jumping in games with 65-year-old women, right? Yeah. Jack Sock was playing games with, he mentioned, he's playing games with Riley Newman. He's played games with Ben Johns. He's played, I mean, so he's getting in high-level games. Yeah. And not only the fact, if you are playing with high-level players or not, just the fact that you understand the strategy, the nuances. Exactly. Um, how, the, how the court, everything flows. Um, that's a big difference because... Um, there's, I know for a fact, there's a couple pros who have full-time jobs and they don't have that much time to play pickleball yeah. yet. They still do really well. Yeah. And so just because they have that knowledge, Hey, I need to practice at least once a week or something like that. I think that is a benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I get it. I get it also that he is, you know, playing tennis full-time still. And he, he, I think one of the things he mentioned was he's playing pickleballs at night yeah. trying to, but you're also conditioning in tennis, right? You're, I mean, there's. He, still, he was in really good shape. Yeah, yeah, he was still very active. And he had to be in good shape because, let's be real, in that mixed, he got picked on hard. Yeah. Uh, the number of balls that Annalise saw in that championship game were very, very few. Yeah. So, you know, he he. I think that he held his own. I think that he did well. But I don't think that he came in and dominated like a lot of people thought. I don't think that he came in and was... By far the best player on the court, like everybody expected. Yeah. Or I will a good say, I think expected. his results for me were actually pretty on par with what I was thinking. I was actually talking to somebody at the PPA very high up, and I said, I think, I honestly think that he could win it with uh, Annalie. Yeah. Um, doubles and singles, I was a little bit where I thought he might be able to do something in singles, um, but I thought 
uh, mixed doubles, he, he yeah. for sure had his best shot. Okay, so let's talk about this. Who else can win it with Annalie? I mean, how deep can we go that can win it with Annalie? I mean, her. I think that Annalie's gap between her and the next second female, yeah. second ranked female, who would probably be what, Catherine? Yeah. Is massive. Yeah. And so I think that Annalie could win it with a dozen guys. Yeah. To be honest with you. How far do you think it goes? Top 20, top 25, top 30? I, I don't know if it, I would say that, I would say go top 20. Top 20. You I think mean, the 20th player could win with Annalie? In mixed doubles, yeah. Uh -huh. Dep now, depending on who's in it, right? Yeah. I mean, Ben Johns wasn't there. So, I mean. The the match that I was shocked about that Annalie um, and Sock won was actually Ignatowicz and Bright. Yeah. I thought those guys had a much better chance at beating them rather than anybody else that they beat. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think that that was a, but I think that was the, the biggest upset. Um, you know, because I think what were Sock and Annalie, the five seed? I think they ended up being uh, the five seed. So yeah, I think that was a huge upset. But I mean, think do you think that tournament, the way that it was laid out, could Annalie go in and win with Callan Dawson? The thing with Jack Sox game is he's very aggressive and he has a lot of power. Callan yeah. is great. He's a top 20 player, but he's more of a consistent player. Um, gets a lot of balls over the net and Callan, for example, is not known for his mixed doubles. His mix, exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm at. Like, yeah. do you think that, or like, should, could she have won it with Rafa Hewitt? Could she have won it with Fed? Should... I, I think so. Yeah. At yeah. least make it to the semis or finals. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I think that that's yeah. how, like, nothing, I think Jack is a, you know, he's going to be a great player. He's proving yeah. to be a great player. We'll see how much time he puts into it. I mean, the man's won $12 million playing tennis. So yeah. I think that it's going to be tough for him to, <laughs> to give that up to play pickleball, yeah. at least right now. Um, full time, but the fact of the matter is, is, is I think that Annalie could have done well with. So, so Jack players. started getting a little chirpy. I think I don't know if he initiated it or if he was just he, kind of responding, but he, uh, it was kind of fun. He to said see. he mentioned that it's not something he can do in tennis, uh -huh. and so it kind of fired him up a little bit. And, and you noticed it a lot. Like he, he in that championship match, we'll talk about that for a minute. He went at he went at Riley pretty hard. He started getting real. The game one, he was real quiet. Yeah. When you get smashed 11 3, there's not a lot you can say, right? Um, but game two, as they started to roll off a few points, he was definitely getting chirpy. Yeah. Um, based off of what happened at the end of that match between Elise and Annalie, I think we all saw it. Elise made a comment to Annalie. So what's the lowdown? What's the I don't the know story behind that. I don't know exactly what was said. It the rumors that I've heard were that Annalie had said something to Jack about Elise, and uh -huh. Elise overheard her. So like when their backs were turned, or when something their backs like were that. turned, yeah, said something about Elise. I don't know. She's annoying, something like that. And then Elise essentially called Annalie out at the end of the match for it. Um, you know, I'll be honest. I don't think it's a good look. I think that it it definitely got the forums buzzing because everybody saw it yeah i mean it was on espn yeah um we we all saw it and and so i definitely think that it I, whether Elise was right or wrong in the situation annalee is she's the pickleball sweetheart she's america's sweetheart right now and so i think that people are automatically going to side with her the number of comments that i saw being like she's 16 she's you know yeah it, it whether whatever annalee said or didn't say it did seem like people definitely piled on Elise for, yeah. for coming at her. Yeah, be interesting to find out the true story behind that. Who knows if we ever will, because I think um, what some other people were also saying is that 
um, Elise said something and uh, Annalie just misinterpreted it, yeah. uh, misheard her, which is totally possible yeah. as well in those yeah. loud environments. Yeah, and, and in, in, in Annalie's credit, the, I mean, you can read her lips. She said, I'd never said that. And then in the post-game press conference, she basically said that it was a, it was a misinterpret, it was a miscommunication yeah. and that's not what happened and everything was good and her and Elise were great. And yeah. yeah, whether that was her taking the high road or not, we, I guess we'll never know, but yeah, that's a big match. I mean, some people want, wanted to play against Jack Sock, others maybe not just because you never know what you're going to get because this yeah. is his first tournament out there. A lot of eyes were on him. And so some people let, like that pressure. Some people don't. Let me ask you this. If that match goes three out of five, do you think the results are different? Man, Annalie is so tough in mixed doubles. So tough. I've played against her multiple times. Um, and she's just so tough in mixed doubles. But Riley Newman and Elise, I mean, they won 11-3 the first game. Yeah. And you would think that maybe they would have been able to figure it out um, yeah. in three games three to five or something yeah. like that. And so I, I don't know. It'd be it, hard to... It was, I mean, you know, and this is how mixed doubles is played. And generally, let's... I mean, we can be honest. Mixed doubles is usually played where you isolate the female, right? And... Um, you know, and the male plays 75, 80% of the court, but yep. in this match, it was interesting. It actually was 80% of the match was Jack sock versus Elise. Yeah. So I didn't see it. Were they going to Jack's backhand? Cause I, I've seen him play a little bit. They were, insane, they were trying to insane forehand, yep. but his backhand was, they were, weak. they were trying to go to his backhand. Um, it really became a Was battle. he just running around it? He was running around it. Jack. And he had mentioned that he will not, he doesn't want to hit a backhand yep. ever. And so he was running around it. He was he got way more aggressive in the second and third game. Uh-huh. Um, speeding speeding balls up. They were super aggressive. Yeah. Um, he was picking and choosing. And then, you know, they they kept Annalie pretty much out of the match, to yeah. be honest with you. I mean, she had her moments, and but it was Jack versus Elise for the majority of that match. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that Jack won the majority of those exchanges. I actually, not going to lie, I haven't really watched it. I've kind of seen bits and pieces of the match and so i'll have to go back and watch but in those situations when they're heavily isolating one person and the other yeah. person is kind of crowding their side yeah. i mean a lot of times you just gotta pull annalee wide yeah and then go back to jack to open up the court more and so it'd be interesting to see if they did that yeah yeah i mean i think that you know riley was i think that was i think that was what riley was trying to do but uh-huh. they just, just harder just, to implement yeah they just did such a good job of yeah. isolating <laughs> it and you know, there wasn't, there wasn't that, I think Le- Elise is, you know, one of the best defensive players, obviously in pickleball. Yep. I think that she's, great. we actually played them two matches before that. Okay. We played them in the quarters. You guys went three games with them. We did well, go three right? games. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think she's great at digging. She's great at resetting, yep. but Elise is not going to put a ball away. Right. Like that's not her strength. Yeah. You know, I mean, and so I think that they, they, they weren't scared of that. Uh-huh. They tested her hands. They tested her power. Yeah. And, you know, that was their, that was their goal. And, you know, they, they had some long points and I, and I think Riley and Elise had a good game plan because I think that you, I mean, the way to beat Jack Sock right now is you do dink his backhand, right? And you make him grind out points. Yeah. I think, um, be interesting because if Jack does play another mixed doubles tournament or tournaments in the future, if he's able to snag Ben Johns, um, and only waters, these top, top, top players, I think yeah. he's going to have a lot of success. Yeah. But if he's, if he has to play with players that are just starting out a little bit lower, 20 yeah. to 30 rank, then it's, I think this is a little bit different story. Yeah, I agree. And, and one thing he said after the matches, he did basically say that he, you're going to see a lot more of them. Yeah. He had fun. 
And he actually right there said, I hope Annalie plays with me again. Yeah. So he's not stupid. He knows. Right? Like, yeah. From what I heard, uh, he's planning on playing uh, 10 to 12 tournaments next year. Oh, I think he's sense. still doing uh, tennis. Um, as you said, he has over $12 million in prize money. Yeah. So kind of hard to walk away on that, especially when uh, you've been doing so well. And the rumor is that later this year, he has a tournament already set up with Riley Newman. Gotcha. Do you know and which one that is? I don't know which one that is, yeah. um, but I think that's going to be really interesting because now you, th- those are games that are mm-hmm. literally going to be over in 10 minutes, win or lose. Yeah. I mean, those are games that those two are just going to absolutely come out and they're going to try and, they're going to try and instill their will and run you off the court. Yeah. What, you know, so that'll be interesting to watch those two, their length, their power, the way they play. So, yeah. And they may hate each other at the end too. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Let's move on past mixed doubles, men's doubles, okay. men's so doubles. Him and Tyson. So yeah. they played their first round at 10 a.m. Yep. They were on center court. Yep. Um, I was watching maybe five minutes of it, and then my match got called, so I had to go off. And so I heard yeah. a lot of the commotion that was going on, yeah. um, but I didn't know exactly what happened until the match was over. And I had to confirm with some people. I said, did yeah. uh, Sock and Tyson actually lose? And they said yes. Yeah. So they played Eric Roddy and Jim Dobrin. So fun fact about those guys is those guys are actually local. Local guys. To yep. North Carolina. And apparently Sock had already known them. Or played with him a little bit, and so okay. he knew that, their game. They knew his game a that, little bit. That makes sense. So a couple things about those guys is Dobrin, I believe, is a math teacher, high school math teacher, uh-huh. and Eric Roddy is like he's like a AVP for Bank of America. Yep. Um, they're not, you know, full time pickleball players yep. by any means. I mean, not saying they don't play a lot and they get out and play, but you know, these are guys that, like we mentioned, that have full time jobs yep. doing other things. And they went out and they smashed him. I mean, it was 11-5, 11-2. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that Tyson and Sock, I think it was a little bit interesting because going back to what you mentioned about Annalie playing against, playing with, if she were to play with Callan Dawson, Tyson is a very steady, you know, he's going to slow it down. He's going to dink. He's going to reset, right? You don't see a ton of speed ups. He picks and chooses. Yep. Where... So I don't think Sock was used to that because Sock wants to come out and he wants to run through you, right? He wants to use his power. He wants to speed the ball up. And so, yeah, they, I mean, they just never meshed in that match. They were missing returns. They were missing, so there's a couple of missed serves. They were missing thirds. I mean, that was, that was wild, honestly. I think a lot of people's eyes were on Sock, but from what I've heard is that, uh, uh, it was uh, Tyson that made quite a few of the yeah, years. Tyson did not play well in that match at all. He didn't, he, he didn't look great. Um, you know, I'm sure those two are great pickleball players. I mean, I think I looked, I looked it up and I think they're both of their dupers are in the five, five range. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so they're solid. Let's see. Pickleball players. They ended up losing their next match. Uh, Roddy and Dobrin. Yeah, I believe they lost. I believe they went one and two overall. So they ended up losing in the back draw their next match as well. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, l- low level 5 0, you know, mid 5 0s yep. who going out and beating Tyson, who's top five in the world, and Jack Sock, who had all the hype. One thing I'll say is 
every single event is different than the other. Singles is drastically different than mixed doubles. Yeah. Mixed doubles is drastically different than doubles. Yeah. And so every single one of those games, uh, you're going to have strengths and weaknesses that you might not have in the other category. Yeah. And so I agree. And uh, do you think maybe do you think, you know, did the pressure get to sock a little bit? Maybe. I mean, center court game one, you're with Tyson McGuffin, who yeah. is Obviously, I mean, I would know. I would say he's one of the most well-known people in all of pickleball. Sure, yeah, he's. I mean, he's created the... definitely a following and a persona for himself. Um, I think Barstool Sports called him the most electrified elect- man, in electrified sports. man in sports. Yeah, I mean, how much do you pay for that? Do you think? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, this is a guy that slams Bud Lights after he wins. Like he's <laughs> he's definitely built this following, and yeah, it's your first tournament. You're on center court. You know, maybe he took a deep breath after playing mixed doubles and yeah. not throwing yeah. any shade at Tyson whatsoever. But I actually played with him last year at the exact same tournament. And I remember vividly that we played on center court our very first match and we almost ended up losing as well to, I think they're local guys or people that lived over in that area. And we had match points against us as well. Yeah. And so some players are just known. I mean, Ben Johns is known for historically starting off slow. Yeah. Um, if you play Ben Johns, you would rather play him first round um, of the tournament uh, yeah. rather than later on in the day because that's when he's yeah. warmed up. And so, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, there's a lot of different things. And also this is another thing we could maybe talk about as well, but I've noticed sometimes with some players. Um, so Tyson had secured his spot in the finals for championship Sunday yeah. in singles. A lot of times once these players get that secured spot in the yeah. finals, sometimes um, you see them almost as if breath. they don't don't care uh, yeah. for the other events. Well, because, and they did withdraw immediately. Yeah. I mean, they literally, ty- the Tyson McGuffin Jack Sock experiment was yeah. 11-5, 11-2, and it's over. Yeah. Funny on that, though, is once again, a lot of this that we talk about is hearsay. We don't know for sure. Um, we love hearsay. We love hearsay. Jimmy's all about that. Uh, but I did hear that Jack Sock was actually wanting to play the back draw. I mean, it would make sense, yeah. right? I mean, you're Jack... It's different for Jack as than it is for Tyson, right? Like, you're here. You've obviously cleared your schedule. He doesn't understand. You know, he's not playing for PPA points. He's not playing for the money. He needs the experience. He, he wants needs the, reps. the experience yeah. exactly in the reps. And so to withdraw and not try and battle through that backdrop, which again, if Tyson's already in Championship Sunday, I guess it makes sense. But so is Jack. Yeah. You know, and so I mean, singles is a little bit different. But yeah, I think that. I don't know. I the I've always been curious your take on this because we're seeing a lot more pros withdraw yeah. once they lose. Do you like that you cannot come back around <laughs> at all? I mean, you can't now. It's fifth place. Yeah. So I have mixed feelings on this. Um, I think they either need to bring back where you can get up to third place. I don't mind that you can't get first place once you lose, yeah. but I think. They either need to bring back, you can get to third place yeah. or ax it completely. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I didn't know until a couple tournaments ago, and once again, I'm not 100% certain on this, but a, multiple pros have told me this, um, but in the back draw, you don't win any points for winning matches unless you get fifth place. I thought oh. you still won points, Each but it was round. just very, very, very small. Oh. And so I was still playing with the the hopes that I could win five or 10 or 20 points per round, but I've heard that you don't win any points. So yeah. zero points unless you get fifth place. Yeah. That's... And so that changes the whole thinking dramatically. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would hope that w- they would, 
allow you it, to come back and get at least third yeah. or get rid of it completely. Yeah, that makes it tough. I mean, it, it. what are you playing for at that point? And if you watch the back draws, the upsets are wild. Yeah. I mean, because I do think that a lot of these, you know, it, there's five, I'll say there's four to six teams every single tournament that have a legit shot at winning it. Mm-hmm. And I think that once one of those teams falls and they realize that they can't win it anymore. They like, it does seem like they yeah. stop. And then you get some players who really want to win the back draw. And then there's yeah. others that are just playing because they don't want to have the, yeah. the reputation of pulling out of the back draw. Yeah. And so you never yeah. know, know what you're going yeah. to get with but that. You, but I mean, I, I mean, we've seen some high level players lose 15, zero in the back draw. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's like, they just don't, I mean, yeah. you guys had a 15, zero win. We did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. What do you think about, I believe it was, I don't know if it was Julian Arnold, I believe suggested single elimination, every match, best three out of five. I'd be fine for that. Um, maybe have it be like for the grand slams or mm-hmm. the really big tournaments, like their 2000 point tournaments or something like that. I don't know yeah. if I'd like that for every single tournament, yeah. uh, but kind of make it more like a grand slam feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at tennis, tennis, their grand slams, they do three out of five, but it's not every single tournament they do. Yeah. It. It's only for the grand slams. For the grand slams. Yeah. And there's no back draw, obviously. Exactly. Tennis. Yeah. I mean, once you're out, you're, you're out. out. Yeah. So. so I think that that would be interesting to, to mix things up a little bit and to kind of, but I do think that that's fine if you can't come back and win gold, but I think that coming back and at least getting third is yeah. it, that should well, give incentive for people to continue playing. Sure. Incentive for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I was really shocked. I was really shocked about the backdrop with the point situation. I thought you just got very, very, very small amount yeah. of points, like five or 10. Yeah. Uh, but even that, I mean, if you play a lot of backdrop matches that can add up. Yeah. Um, but then somebody told me right before we played you know, multiple pros told me that it doesn't yeah. even matter unless you get fifth place. Yeah. Not, not getting any, I mean, there's zero incentive so to play it, it now. There's literally zero incentive. It, especially early, right? Like especially singles. Yes. Because now you're risking injury yep. and you're risking fatigue. Yep. And so why would you, I mean, what was there? 80 men singles players in North yep. Carolina. So you're going to go play that backdrop and men singles and for what? Yep. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. So yeah. I agree with you there. So we'll see what happens. Um, my personal opinion is, I mean, I'm fine either way. I think they either need to reintroduce getting up to third place or axe it completely. I feel like PPA is trying to push it where they want the players to say on their own, hey, we're not going to play the back draw. But I think a lot of the players actually do want to play the back draw. But the way it's set up right now is yeah. it's not allowing for that. Yeah, and like you said, the people want the experience. Yeah. They want to, I mean, you... Look, you flew all the way across the country. You want to get your games in, yeah. right? Nobody wants to be one and done. When Ben Johns lost in uh, Newport uh, yeah. early on, yeah. they were gone. Yeah, out. Yeah. Gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, ben, ben is another one that's notorious. I mean, he doesn't lose a lot, but when he does, he's out. <laughs> you will never see Ben Johns play through a backdrop to get fifth place. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So Ben and Annalie also, same thing. If they lose in mix, which yeah. again, I think it's happened once or twice, they're out of there. But I will say I have gotten to the finals and it is nice if you do lose to get automatically in that third, fourth yeah. spot. Yeah. It is nice, but it keeps going back to what do most of the pros want? Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe they need to poll. Let's pull the pros on that. Oh, you did want to create a poll that I sent out to all the pros asking them a variety of questions, huh? Yeah. Get, get a think, little spicy. Yeah, I think that, you know, I actually saw a poll um, that they sent out anonymously to NFL players. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the questions were, and obviously it's going to be a little bit different for pickleball, but we're like best ran franchises, worst run franchises, um, 
most overrated player in pickleball, most underrated player, or well, this was in the NFL, but I think pickleball, that would definitely, yeah. you know, and like a couple of things that I think people are more honest when it's anonymous. Um, and a couple of things that like the NFL things that, they, that would come out as players that you, you know, people think are some of the best players in the league. Yeah. A lot of the actual pros, their peers are like, actually, that guy's not that good. He's overrated. He is one of the worst teammates. You know, so I've, what we're going to do is we're going to have you create the document Yep. and then I'm going to post it, send it out to people. We're going to send it and out. And we'll talk about the results and post the results and see yeah, how they went. I think it'll be really interesting. We may throw in who's the men and female player you want to be stranded, most stranded on a desert island with. <laughs> so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll send three, that out. Look for that in a future, future episode for sure. Awesome. So we talked about men's doubles a little bit. Uh, let's go on to women's doubles. Anything okay. surprise you there with North Carolina? Um, I think a couple things. I think that coming off of their Red Rock win, I think that we, you know, we're hoping that see a little from Megan and Etta, but both of them actually had to pull out. Yes. Um, Etta, I think, I don't know for sure. I assume she's still nursing that injury. She's pulled out quite a bit recently. Yeah, the past almost two months or so, it seems yeah, like she... she has a quad yeah. injury, I believe. <laughs> and so she's had to pull out several times due yep. to that. Um, Megan, I don't know. I don't know what happened. She said she woke up not feeling herself. Yep. Thought it was maybe the flu. Who knows? So Megan ended up pulling out, which which is disappointing. Not, you know, I'm sure it's more disappointing for her than for all of us, but she had a chance to play with Georgia Johnson. I think that would have been exciting. I think that, you know, if Megan was had, plays as well as she has been lately, they could have been a force and made a deep run. Yeah. Um, you know, Georgia's, she's great. I think she's solid. She's 15, 16. In, in terms of women's doubles, I mean, we can just go straight to the championship match. I mean, um, Annalie and Catherine against Yana. So right now, almost anybody who's been playing with Annalie is just cleaned house. Yeah, destroyed. absolutely. Like absolutely. not even close. Yeah. And that women's, that women's final match was... Do you think there's anyone out there? What pairings do you think uh, could maybe give them a run? So, that, so that's a really good question because I think that we've talked about this for men's and we'll go to that too in a second. But I think in women's doubles, I think that you're... I mean, when Annalie was playing with her mom... There was a there was a chance teams mm-hmm. were able to to beat them yes. right now that Annalie is essentially playing number one and number two or playing together or Annalie and Anna Bright, I mean nobody's been able to touch them. Yep. Um, I think that if Annalie and Catherine are playing together, I'm not sure if anybody touches them. So somebody mentioned on one of the forums, hey, why doesn't Catherine and Anna Bright team yeah, up? I think that that be, could be a force. Yeah, that could absolutely be a force because number one is. It breaks up Catherine or Anna and Annalie mm-hmm. and it puts them together. Yeah. And then, you know, who does Annalie play with? I don't know. Does she play with Jesse? Does she play with, you know, Leah? Who, do, who does she play with? So, yeah, I think that that would be, would definitely be a force. But I think that if either one of them has a chance to play with Annalie, you're stupid not yeah. to. Like, you know, I mean, it, and it sounds like the women's doubles game is going to we're going to see the last second half of the year a lot of new partnerships and a lot of different partnerships one of them is leah jansen and elise jones have announced that they are breaking up Mm -hmm. sounds like a was that a little bit surprising to you um it wasn't i'll be honest with you i don't think it was as surprising because i think that they while they are good and they've had good results i think that they want great results and neither one of them have had that i think that they're kind of stuck in that third fourth fifth spot I don't think that they're, I don't think that either together they're good enough to be the top, you know, 
not good enough to beat Annalie, obviously, and whoever she's playing with. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even know if they're good enough to beat, you know, whoever Anna Bright and whoever she decides to play with. I think mm-hmm. that they're kind of stuck in that third, fourth, fifth tier, which is great. They're yeah. good results, but. So it, you don't think if they stayed together, they could improve. Um, I mean, I think we saw it for six months, right? I think they actually were getting worse. But I mean, you look at, yeah. Um, but you look at JW and Dylan, um, yeah. Federico Pablo, and these are men's teams, yeah. but they've been together for two to three years. And in the beginning, they weren't yeah. that great. Yeah. But now they've really increased their. But I think we're also looking at 19 and 20 year olds. Yeah. Um, you know, at least it's 35, 36. I don't know how old Leia is. I assume she's in her what, mid 20s. Yeah, ish. probably late 20s. Late 20s. Yeah. I mean, I think that. I think that there's a difference between those guys coming up together and growing together uh-huh. and these guys who are established already. Gotcha. I also don't think their games fit. Gotcha. Like if we're being real, again, we talked about So it. who would be the ideal partner for Leia and Elise? I think Leia needs someone with power. I think she needs someone. Leia needs someone with power? I, I know Leia has power, but mm-hmm. she needs someone that's going to put a ball away. Gotcha. Because Leia, I don't want to speak for her, but it looked like when she played with Elise, she would get frustrated with Elise not putting the ball away. Mm-hmm. Um, Elise is coming after you. I know she's going to, she lives like 10 minutes from you. That's fine. Elise, meet me at the flagpole at noon. (laughs) Um, don't bring Quinn though. He has big muscles. (laughs) Um, I just don't, I think, like I said, I think Elise is a great defensive player. I think she's very, very good, but she doesn't put the ball away. And so I think that Leia needs somebody that's going to put the ball away. She needs somebody that is going to end points. Yeah. And that's why I so think... So who, who are two or three options for Leia? Well, Leia's announced she's going to play with Jesse. Okay. She's going to play with Anna B. Okay, yeah. And she's going to play with Coop. Okay. And then the other person was Lacey Schneeman, which I thought was interesting because I think that Lacey Schneeman is a poor man's version of Elise. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So I think if Jimmy you're going to play with Lacey, you might as well stick with Elise. But... <laughs> Lacey's got a lot of power. I think she does too, but I think... I'm playing that, with Lacey next weekend. Okay, Lacey, sorry. If you're listening to this, sorry. But I think that Elise, at this point in their careers, Elise is a better option than Lacey. But again, Leia said she gets bored and she needs to switch things up. She yeah. gets bored sometimes and that she's always committed to partners for a full year. Yeah. There's no way that she's happy she committed with Rettenmeyer for a year, but whatever. Um, and so she's, she's going to switch it up. So now she has a chance to play with Anna Bright. She has a chance to play with Coop. She has a chance to play with and, and Jesse, and, and we'll just see what happens. I think that Jesse's kind of fallen off a little bit. And I think some of that is because of her partners, if you want to be honest. Um, I think that, you know, there's those top five or six women that are all playing together. And Jesse, for, I think she's one of them, but her partners have been interesting. Yeah. Not that Kawamoto's not good, but she's not, you know, Jesse, I think Jesse's good enough to play with one of these top five or six women. Yeah. One thing I'll say, and this goes for, mixed doubles and doubles is a lot of the fans and spectators and even players don't understand and realize how much of a role your partner plays in, in you having success. Um, I always give this analogy, but I truly believe that the number one player, if they play with somebody who's not in the top 20 and top 10, they're not going to win. Yeah. And so depending on who you play with will determine a lot of your success yeah. you can be out there grinding drilling practicing every single day but if you're not able to get those top partners that are at your level or above it's going to be almost impossible for you to have success in matches yeah and i, and I think we see it it's weird because we see it in women's and we see it in in men's doubles where sometimes these partnerships are questionable and there's other partnerships out there where you're like 
if these two would switch, yep. these guys have a chance. Yep. You know, they would have a chance. So why are we playing with this person? You know, I don't want to call anybody out, but I bet you do. I do, but it's okay. Cause at some point I'm going to show up to a PPA event and get jumped in the parking lot. But <laughs> I just feel like it's like, if these two would switch, you know, yep. I mean, look, Jesse playing with Irina. Okay. Yep. I just, I think Irina is a solid player, but Jesse and Irina are never going to win. They just aren't, it's, they're not going to win women's, but if Jesse would go and play with Leia, I think they have a better chance. If Jesse would go play with Anna Bright, I think she'd have a better chance. I think that there's, there's just interesting partnerships that, that are chosen. And I know that these come about sometimes just out of convenience and sometimes, you know, one thing I think moving forward, kind of what Leo was saying is that historically speaking, a lot of players, they do uh, plan for the entire year, yes. um, kind of far out in advance and yes. that can be good or bad. Yeah. Um, if you have success, that's great. If yeah. you're losing, that's really bad. Yeah. Um, it's not fun. You're not winning. Um, you're thinking about other partners. Uh, so I think personally outside of the top two to three, maybe four teams, I think most players are going to start doing uh, literally quarters or yeah. even uh, I think every that's six the best. months. Yeah. And I think, you know, right? Like how soon when you play with a partner, yeah. do you know if it's going to be a good fit? I was thinking about that. I think three tournaments maximum, I think yeah. two to three tournaments. I yeah. think one tournament can be a little bit premature if you decide to call things quit uh, by then. Yeah. But I think two to three tournaments because... Oftentimes, after one tournament, you're just starting to get the feel. A lot of times, you can know if you're going jive, if you're going to do well with the partner, if you have synergy. Um, but then after three tournaments, if you're not doing well, then um, there might not be a ton you can change. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that that's enough of a sample size, especially you know, with a lot of you pros, they're obviously all in different states. Yep. And so you're not practicing on a day-to-day basis together. And I, I don't think we can understate that, you know, Ben and Colin Johns are literally drilling and playing together every single day. Yep. And I think that, you know, you, so, you know, your main men's partner lately has been Callan and mm-hmm. Callan lives in California. You, you live in Utah. He actually used to fly up here just to practice with us. And yeah. We were doing well last year. So maybe he needs to come yeah. up here a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Callan, let's, let's, let's get up here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that that, you know, I think that that helps a lot. I noticed that um, Riley Newman is moving to Dallas I think he moved there already. Yeah. Moved to Dallas, yeah. So I mean, you know, he can play more with with his partners there, yeah. Um, or at least high higher level games. Yep. I, think, I believe he was in Arizona before, right? I think Arizona's got some pretty good rec too. Yeah. But. So I, I mean, I think that's interesting. I think a lot of these players are are. But I just don't get why locking yourself in for an entire no. year. Why a lot of people would want to do that? Yeah. I mean. If things are going well, then plan on playing together. If things yeah. are going bad, then you don't have that that expectation of staying together totally. for an entire year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's so much drama when it comes to partnerships because not only are you going to be splitting up your partnership, but if you're going to want to be playing at a higher level, you've got to break up somebody else's partnership. Yeah. Now you might get lucky and somebody else's partnership might not be great. And so you can kind of just do a switch, yeah. uh, but oftentimes that's not the case. And so um, by switching up partners when you're not supposed to or before the end of your your partnership with your partner then you're throwing everything else into um just yeah. confusion yeah and that makes i mean it's yeah. hard right and now there's a rule let me ask you a question because i believe that you've told me this before that so we had edda pull out mm-hmm. and then we had megan pull out but once the brackets are released you cannot switch partners right? correct yeah they used to even last year i think they would even allow you but this year they've been super strict doesn't matter who you are um once those brackets are made um okay. they can't you can't so switch they, weren't, it up. they wouldn't allow their partners to play with each yep. other 
Yeah. Which point. is, I mean, it, it's good. Um, if you're switching stuff back and forth the day before, the hour before the tournament, yeah. that doesn't look good. Yeah. So. And it's not fair for seedings and other things, right? Yeah. You have to reseed an entire tournament. I get that. Yeah. So I think PPA has been doing better. Uh, but I think they just need to have a really strict, hey, three days before the tournament or a week before the tournament, we cannot accept any more changes. Yeah. Um, because up until now, there's they've kind of gone back and forth a little bit on the exact timeline. Um, so you okay. just got to make sure you're, you have your partners lined up for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Uh, what else is going on? Um, so I want to ask you a question. Speaking okay. of tournaments and being on the road and Uh-oh. what, you know... Players, pickleball. I mean, what what is it like on the road for a pickleball pro? So let me give you a little bit of background, okay? <laughs> a, a lady, I'm sure most of us saw the article. There was a lady. Donna. 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 Donna is a new pickleball player. She fell in love with pickleball. I, I get the sense that she's, you know, retiree in her mid-60s, lives in Florida, um, and she just wanted to do anything she could to get involved in pickleball. Yeah. So she reached out to the PPA and offered to host some players, which awesome. Donna, what a, what a sweet, sweet soul Donna is. Yeah. Donna said that she hosted two female pros. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't mention who those pros were, but she said she, she, she hosted two female pros and that the first couple of days, things went great. Yep. She never saw them. Donna was volunteering at this event. It was in Daytona, I believe. Mm-hmm. Donna was a volunteer. She said that they never really crossed paths. The pros were at the tournament. You know, everything was fine. She said Saturday night, the last night of the event, she worked a really long, hard day at this PPA Bless event. Soul. Bless Donna's soul, probably for free. And she probably got a bag of popcorn and a PPA t-shirt for it. <laughs> she comes into her, her house. This is Donna's house now. Just wants to relax. Donna is tired, probably 12, 14 hour day on her feet. And she just wants to relax when... She, these are Donna's words, not mine. She hears what she calls tennis grunts coming from the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, these are things that you would most likely hear on a tennis court, not in her. Donna didn't expect to hear them in she her house. She hasn't been playing high level pickleball. She clearly hasn't. So Donna walks into the room and essentially sees one of these female pros and two male pros and Donna's word, these are Donna's words, having an orgy, basically, is what she said. Now, I know that, sorry, this is PG-13. But Donna was obviously disgusted. Donna kicked them out of her house. A lot of other things happened. And Donna's, in, in her letter that she wrote, she said that one of these male pros, who may or may not have just moved to Dallas, peed in her plants. Um, I got a new feature that uh, bleeps out a bunch of stories. Oh, I just yeah. got a whole... Hold yeah, that hold that entire story. He peed in her plants. Um, essentially, she—I I believe she even said she went to the PPA for reparations. That—that that, you know, <laughs> Donna was very detailed in her story. You yeah. can go read it. I think it's on Facebook. We can—I don't know if Tyler wants to link it, but anyways, Donna was very detailed. So here's my question for Mr. Lung, who, by the way, you I know Tyler. You. Tyler is married with two kids. Let me just be clear. And his wife requires that he stays in a hotel for every tournament. Let me just say that. Let's start there. Maybe she doesn't require it, but he chooses that. So what is it like on the road as a PPA pro? Is it a frat house, Tyler? Like what's happening? So let the record know that I did not bring this up. This was all Jimmy's doing. 
Uh, so we might have to bleep out this entire story. Um, <laughs> I think it depends on who you ask. I think you're going to get a wide variety of answers. Um, if you ask me, um, as you said, I'm married, I have kids. Um, for the most part, I actually do stay at a couple of people's houses just because I've known them for a long time. Is, Good is host families very common for the, for, or the most people stay Airbnbs, hotels? I, it just depends on who you ask. Okay. Yep. And okay. I mean, in the sport of pickleball, you have, it's so great because it attracts everybody, all walks of life. Young, old, happy, sad, whatever your background is, basketball, tennis, soccer, doesn't matter. You have a whole different people playing the sport, and some people have different intentions. For me, I'm doing this for my job, for my career. I'm taking it extremely serious. I'm out there training, practicing, everything like that. There's a lot of players who go to these tournaments, and as soon as they're done, even before they're done, they might be um, looking up uh, bars, dances, concerts, everything like that, and they're looking to go out there, travel around, which is understandable they're young um they like that lifestyle so, so let me be clear yes there's i'm not can i'm not like listen we were talking mid-20s single yeah you know there's no i'm not there, there's no like i'm not condoning it i'm not and i'm not not condoning what what <laughs> happened i just this is just donna's story yeah and i've had a lot of people ask about it and a lot of people are curious yeah and so there's no I, one better to ask i don't think it's uncommon to hear similar stories to that 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 may have been a quite a bit extreme um but i don't think it's uncommon i mean uh i think a lot of people are fairly open about it um but you do have quite a few players who are husbands wives who are out there competing yeah Um, i mean and we have i mean relation there's a million relationships that are forming right yeah like i mean you know we have yana gutchkina and and ben newell are married yep anna bright and james ignatowicz lucy and matt are probably the most famous pickleball couple you know I mean, there's a lot of them out there, right? Julian yeah. Arnold and Lauren Stratman, mm-hmm. right? Which, if you guys remember last year when Julian burst onto the scene and he was screaming and yelling and absolutely just out of control on the almost and all this stuff. And then he played Lauren in a championship match and did not say a word. Yeah. And everybody was like, what is happening? And yeah. even the announcers were like, what is going on? Why is he being so quiet? And then after he walked up, gives her a kiss over the net and everyone's like, Oh, okay. It makes sense now. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of relationships that have formed in pickleball, but yeah, what's it like? I mean, is it, I mean, like I said, there's your mid twenties. There's, I mean, when, when the event ends Saturday mm-hmm. night, an event ends, um, what, like, you know, I mean, I guess at that point, yeah, there's nothing you, you know, go party, right. You're yeah. there with all your friends yeah, once again, I, I think it just depends on who you ask, but I would say there is a large group of players in the mid-20s or something, or even 30s, yeah. um, that they like to hang out, go out, and have fun, and so um, that's fine. Um, that's what they yeah. do, but I feel like uh, some of the players just take a little bit more serious. They have families, and they're just kind of working on how it's to get better. Diff- it's just yeah. a difference, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I mean, what it's almost as if, what's that saying? The world is your oyster. Um, you can go out there and make it whatever you want it to be. If you want it to be a serious experience um, where you're out there on the pro circuit, you're competing, yeah. go for it. Um, you'll have that experience. If you're wanting to meet a lot of people, have fun, go out, explore the world, you'll have that experience can, as well. You can find that either way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think whatever you want, you can honestly have that experience. Whatever your expectations are, you can have that. Do you think it affects performance? I think it... I think it does. Sure. Yeah. I mean, most of the players, they know those types of players who like to go out, who like to have fun, who like to do this and that. And truth be told, I mean, most of the top five, even top 10 players, they're not known for that. 
And so, yeah. um, that makes sense. I don't know if, if you're 20 or 30 and you're partying, having fun every night, um, just kind of out there for the experience, just having fun, making friends. Um, you look at the top five, top 10 players. Are they doing that? I don't think so. Yeah. That may, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and maybe they are, but not at tournaments. Yeah. Maybe outside of tournaments. Maybe there's just a difference, exactly. right? So you're saying that the people that were at Donna, you would call them top five or top 10 players? Um, <laughs> there's a rumor that one of them rolled his sleeve up. I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> I mean, one of them is, but this was the first time I've ever heard of that from this guy. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. And in this guy's defense, he just broke up with his girlfriend. So. <laughs> So, yeah. So, I mean, anyways, I, I think that a lot of people are curious about that because obviously, you know, when you, if you look at other professional sports, you and I have a good friend, Rich Cho, who is an executive for the Memphis Grizzlies and Rich. Put a cell phone number, put everything. Yeah. So people can contact him. Rich is a big, he's a big fan of the podcast episode one. So shout out to Rich. <laughs> um, but Rich has talked about, you know, the NBA and things like that. NBA, I mean, NBA players have curfews. They have you know, they keep them in hotels. They keep them very isolated. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, obviously. Some still even break those. And yeah. Out, and some but, still break them. Yeah. And, you know, they still. And let's not pretend they don't party and they don't go to clubs and they don't do their thing. But for the most part, these top players, it is a job. It is a profession. And, you know, that's how they treat it. Yeah. It's not like, you know, in their downtime. I mean, you know, James Harden is, you know, obviously a top player in the NBA. And he's very famous for his love of strip clubs so yeah it's not like it doesn't happen but the reality is is that they there's they, a time and a place there's a time and a place exactly and so i think that's interesting for it to happen in the middle of a tournament or at the end of a tail end of a tournament and in someone else's home poor donna i mean donna yeah. was devastated i think there was more to that story as well um i think this was kind of uh, late in the evening or yeah early in the morning if you want to call it yeah. that yeah yes. after midnight yeah um, that that these things were happening. But. Yeah. And yeah. So anyways, I don't know if Donna's going to be hosting any more PPA players, but um, she definitely is fired up about it. And so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's our uh, cautionary tale of the day. If you're staying at a host family's home. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. traveling, playing pro is whatever experience you want it to be. You can have that experience. It's perfect. You want it to, you want to make a lot of money. You can do that. If you want to have fun, you want to teach a lot of camps, clinics, meet new people experience new things you can have that that option as well awesome love it all right let's uh kind of wrap up so we'll probably finish up in another 15 20 minutes um any other things you'd like to discuss or uh that's been on your mind no i mean i think that we have uh so i posted some questions on my yeah, instagram let's go, let's, go let's go through those questions real quick you have atlanta okay. open coming up yep um we were playing with Lacey schneeman yep that you apparently love i i Listen, I think that Lacey is a great player. I think that Lacey is going to be a great partner for you. I'm glad that you have moved on. Real quick, uh -huh. you played with with um, Tyra Black. James and Tyra. Yeah. James Ignatowicz and Tyra Black yep. in North Carolina. You and James finished sixth, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, I thought you guys had good results. I mean, wildly enough, who who saw the buzzsaw that was Steve Deacon and Travis Rettenmeyer who yep. ended up finishing third? They played extremely well. They yep. played great. Some of the yeah. best I've ever seen them play. Yeah, yep. ended up beating you guys in three games. Yep. Maybe Deacon's finally back from all those injuries. Maybe. At his, <clears throat> at his age, he found the fountain of youth. Um, <laughs> and then Tyra, you guys were two and two, I believe. Yes. And 
honestly, you played really well together. Yeah. I was, I was pleasantly surprised for your first partnership together. Is that a partnership we're going to see more in the future? Hopefully it's a possibility. I mean, as we were talking earlier, I mean, so many of these pros have almost a year lined up. And so that's the issue is you play one random tournament with somebody and you do really well. It's like, shoot, now I want to play more with you, but we're yeah. going to have to break up partnerships. So we're in talks right now. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then, so, so Lace, so we'll go to Atlanta, then Lacey, and then who's your men's partner? AJ Kohler. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're back to AJ. So you and AJ yeah. played a couple tournaments together We've done last a year. Couple times, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I've told you this before. I feel like you and AJ are a force when yeah. you're together. AJ. You can be. You can be. AJ. I think when he, he's very streaky, I'll just be real, AJ, I'm going to be honest, you're very streaky. Yep. But when AJ is on his game, he is one of the best players in the world. Yeah, and that guy right. can run off six, seven, eight, nine points in a row in a blink. Yep. I mean, he is, AJ is extremely talented. Yep. And so I think the two of you together with your talent, your athleticism, his stupid freaking flicks below the net are unbelievable when they're on. I mean, so yeah, I think that that's going to be, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, should be fun. Um, last tournament in North Carolina, one of the highlights with me and Tyra is our very first match we were playing Fed and Mary, which was a Mary Brasha, which was a very tough first yeah, round. Yeah. Anyways, we were down 4 10 in the third game and we ended up winning 12 10. Okay. So that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, yeah, she's a great player. Uh, I think she's only been playing since I think she told me October. So it's um, crazy. So sky's the limit for her yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of potential. Her hands, awesome, beautiful, a lot right. of power. Good. Yeah, her yeah. hands, really good. Yeah. Um, then James Ignatowicz, I mean, he's actually a little bit similar to AJ. The amount of power and his ceiling is just insane. Yeah. Um, he has, we talked about serves last time, Deckel, Tyson, and everything like that. James, his serve is legal all the time. Yeah. And he has just as much power, if not more power right. than Deckel. So he can dial it up. Yeah. He actually had one ace, which is really? unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, um, it was fun. Um, that was my first time with both of them. So yeah. um, still talking to them. Hopefully we'll get some more. Good. Yeah. I mean, I think those results are solid for yeah. your very first tournament together. Yeah. And so hopefully we see you guys more. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's go to some questions. Yeah. So uh, FYI, um, if anybody is wanting to reach out to me, Instagram is the best way to reach out to me. That's where I'm most active. Anyways, I asked uh, some questions on Instagram. If anybody had some questions for us to answer this episode and we had a couple people write in and so we're just going to kind of fire them off and answer them fairly quickly hopefully we won't spend too much time on them um let's see katie tx pickleball they asked what is your opinion about the tennis players playing pickleball personally i love it i love seeing it um i don't think it's as big of a threat as a lot of other people think i mean um, for the longest time, we've heard these people say, oh, just wait till the pro players come in, wait till the D1 players come in. And um, we've been hearing that for, honestly, three to five years, and it hasn't really happened yet. And we've seen them come in. Yes. And we haven't seen, have yeah. we seen, I mean, in the, on the women's game, it's a little different. Anna Bright is probably the closest yep. um, to coming in and, and, and you know, gaining one of those top spots. But have we seen it on the men's side at all? Not really. Um, and Anna Bright, I mean, she was a phenomenal tennis player. Phenomenal. And she's dedicated her life to playing pickleball. She's yes. been playing for over a year. I played with her her very first year that she played pickleball, and she was great. Um, she still had quite a bit to learn um, to the strategy, the shots, everything like that. And ever since then, she's just really, really taken off. But, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's good. I'd love to see it. The strategy is obviously a lot different than people think. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, time will tell, but I, I love the, I love the competition. Yeah. 
we would love uh, real clear stats. We'd love to hear your breakdown of the success of the Sock Waters Partnership. We kind of already talked about that um, in the be beginning of this. Uh, pro Pickleball Fanatics. Uh, Jimmy, I'll ask you this. Which Muppet do you identify most with and why? Oh, Which gosh. Muppet? Which Muppet? Probably, honestly, I have no idea. Probably the Count, just because I think that <laughs> the Count, probably, and the only thing I can think of is because I think Count Chocula is not a bad cereal. I'll be honest, it's pretty good. When but, they wrote in that question, I didn't even know what the Muppets were. The only one I knew was like Kermit. Tyler, Kermit Sh Tyler showing his age right here. <laughs> Kermit, Oscar, right? Isn't that the Muppets? I don't know. Wait, am I thinking of Sesame Street? <laughs> I might be wrong. Ernie and Bert or something. Er, oh, Bert and Ernie. See, I don't even... So you got to be Ernie. <laughs> if we're doing Muppets, you've got to be Ernie. Okay. Because you're the Ernie king. All right. Nate Lumberg asked thoughts on Jack's first tournament. We kind of talked about very promising. I love it. Um, love to see him play Would more Would you play a tournament with Jack Sock? I'd love to play a tournament with Jack Sock. He actually came up... We talked a little bit at Bubbly. Super nice guy to me. Um, it'd be fun. He's got a lot of... Uh, uh, aggression, a lot of offense, a lot of power, and so I enjoy playing with those types of players. He, has, he earnies a lot. Yeah, he does. Um, so if both of us can earnie from each of our corners. I also want to know, Jack, if you're listening to this, how much is that chain around your neck? How much did that cost? Because <laughs> that there's no way that that was cheap. <laughs> All right. Uh, T. Lee Pickleball asks, what... Oh, this one's directed towards you for sure. Uh, what is the best technique for rolling your eyes? Oh, gosh. I mean... You give your technique, I'll give mine. I think when you eye roll, it's just got to be natural. Like you, it can't be planned. It's got to be spur of the moment. It's got to be natural. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that you, if you don't throw your head back when you roll your eyes, you're not doing. You're it not right. doing it right. 100%. All right. So step one, you've got to slouch the shoulders. Okay, that's fair. Slouch the shoulders. Body language matters. Yeah. Bad body language. You got to make sure that your Jesus. your partner is looking at you a little bit, maybe, maybe out of the corner of their eyes. Yeah. You want them to see it. There's no point in rolling your eyes if they don't know that you're rolling your eyes. Exactly. It's like, why would you even do that? Yeah, exactly. We Second want them to step. know. Um, look to the sky. Look up. Okay. Okay. And then third step, if it was really bad, like when I play with you, if you're hitting the ball below the net, like it's bouncing on the ground be well, before it hits be the clear, net. I don't do that. That's but when keep you going. let out an audible gasp. Or Should you stop? So... So head back, look up at the sky, make eye contact, and make sure that you sigh loudly. Yes. So you want them to know. Okay. I love this. <laughs> Those are the steps on. Go to your, hey, go to your local courts. Try it out. Let us know your reactions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. DLPW, what do you think about pros trashing other pros in oh. podcasts? Well. They're talking about you, Jimmy? Well, no, you're not a pro. No, they're not. See, <laughs> I have immunity because I'm not a pro. Um, I think it's interesting. I think that we've talked about this before, but I think there's a lot of, and maybe that's what I'm doing. There's a lot of clout chasers out there. And I think that pros are, I don't know, I think, I think pickleball, because it's still very small and it's a very tight-knit community, um, <clears throat> and everybody knows the, the pros are still extremely accessible. Yep. Where on other sports, professional players are not as accessible as pickleball pros. I mean, you can literally DM a pickleball pro on Instagram. And not, most likely they'll see they'll it. They'll see it. Whether they respond yeah. or not, I don't know. But most likely they will see it. Yeah. The pros respond most on the... Most likely. Yes. Sometimes, you, sometimes it filters the messages. Yes. But the pros respond on the Facebook forums. Yeah. The pros are very, very approachable at tournaments. I think that because of this, you're seeing a lot more of these pros come out. And these comments that they're making... They're probably made at all levels in all sports, 
but because the pickleball community is so small that you, you know, it, it comes across as like they're, you know, it, it's becomes a lot more prevalent. Sure. I don't know if they're referring to this podcast specifically, hopefully not. Um, everything I say, I would gladly say to the other person yeah, I'm talking about. Um, I think you're referring to other podcasts and I, I think we kind of talked about this last time. I think a lot of people do it for clout. They like sound bites. They're able to clip them up and just kind of get a lot yeah. of interaction and exposure. Um, and everybody loves a good rivalry. Rivalries make sports. Yeah. And if you can, if you have to fake that rivalry, yeah. great, go for it. But the reality is everyone loves a good rivalry. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pickleman 002. <laughs> Tyler is not going to touch that one. <laughs> From a fellow lefty, do you agree that lefty-righty stacks will be the future of pro pickleball? I think they for sure, I mean, Ben Johns talked about this, I think they for sure have an advantage. I don't think it'll be the only future where every single team will be in the top five or top ten will be a lefty-righty combo. Um, I mean, J-Dub, Dylan, they're not lefty-righty. They're a top two, top three team. Yeah. Um, Riley, Matt, they're not. Um, but I do think that it's just so much more advantageous um, to play with a lefty-righty combo. Um, I've never played with Riley. I haven't really played with Matt. I haven't really played with JW. I think if those guys did play with somebody of the opposite uh, dominant hand, I think they'd realize how much of a fun experience and how easy it is to play in those situations. Are you making your pitch? I am. Making your pitch. Yeah, me and Ben Johns, come on, let's go. I mean, well, I mean, you and Ben, obviously your success has been, yeah, I mean, it's huge. And Ben's talked about it. Ben has mentioned that, how much easier it makes his life having you over there with, you know, being lefty. Yeah. I mean, two forehands <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's... You get yeah. two forehands in the middle, and it, and if both you can Ernie, oof. Yeah, done. That's yeah. game over. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Zach Calante, Calante, sorry. Uh, do you think you'll be playing with Hurricane or James again? Uh, we already answered that. Hopefully, yes. Uh, next few months or so. All right. Let's see what else. Um, a couple of repeat questions in here. Uh, re, somebody else, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Players in pro that really shouldn't be playing. No name calling, but some pros play like 3.0. They must be talking about you, Jimmy. They must. So they here's must here's one thing that we do see, like the PPA in its infancy. Originally, anybody could sign up for a pro event. Yep. They still do allow that, but now at least there are qualifiers. Yeah. And if the, if the field gets too full, you do have to qualify. So in essence, if you're not up to task, you're not up to par, you're just making a donation to the PPA, which nobody's going to complain about. But I have talked to Tyler before, and I've asked him in the past about what he feels like when, he, when they get these low-level, you know, this was last year, two years ago, you get these low-level guys that are signing up for pro events, and you have them in the first round. He doesn't mind it. Yeah, I believe you told me you don't mind it, right? Oh, most Almost every player loves it. They want to get a win, and an easy win is so much better than playing some tough team right off the get-go. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, keep signing up. If that if you feel like you're a pro, you feel like you can hang, keep signing up. And and one thing I will say is, I mean, I haven't ever seen a 3-0. I don't sure. think I've even seen a 4-0 in a pro division. Maybe 4-5s, yeah. maybe low 5-0s. Um, but one thing that it does do is that it shows the difference between the top pro or pros versus the amateur. Yeah. Um, I mean, these, these lower level players, they're entering these tournaments and they're getting smashed for the most part. Yeah. Every once in a while they might have an upset or something like that, but for the most part, um, they're getting 
beat pretty bad. And so it's fun to see the difference of high level pickleball versus low level pickleball um, because those players that are playing they're in their hometown and locals, they're still good. Yeah. They're, they're probably the better ones in their hometown. So somebody always mentioned like at the Olympics, they should have just a normal person running the race. Yes. Absolutely. um, One of the top runners just to be able to, so you can see how good these guys really are. And that's the same thing, right? Have these, Go throw two pros on the court with, you know, two, four, fives yeah. uh, in, in an actual tournament scenario. Yeah, you see what happens. I mean, we've seen it at events. You know, we, we've we seen low-level 5-0s play pro events, and it's never usually pretty. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's great. If you feel like you're on that level, you're never going to get better. So go for it. Yep. All right, we'll do two more questions. What is the state of pickleball uh, sponsorships? Uh, today versus three years ago or yeah three years ago so um sponsorships are great uh all the top players they need them um there's very few players that can live truly off the prize money that number is increasing but i would say there's maybe only really five to ten players who can truly live off prize money and make a good amount um everything else is being supplemented by teaching or sponsorships um, sponsorships, they are good if you can get the right ones. Um, they, they're not flowing in like some people think. Um, but yeah, it's increasing. Um, I would say sponsorships, if you want to quantify it, give it a number, are up probably 40 to 60% uh, compared to three awesome. years ago. Yeah, I don't know. Huge. I mean, yeah. and you have some big names, even just sponsoring the PPA Tour, right? The yep. Carvana PPA Tour. Yep. I mean, you have big names you know, rocket mortgage and they're, and they're Hertz. throwing out actual money. Like yeah. it used to be product or a very small amount, but yeah. these sponsors, they're throwing out decent yeah, size money, real money. I mean, yeah. Hertz is huge. Yep. Right. And yep. you guys all have, you have a rental car deal essentially with Hertz. Yeah. 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 So we get free, free cars at these yeah. tournaments. So, I mean, that's not a bad, that's not a bad perk of being a pro, right? Yeah. I mean, the rental car is probably was a yeah. decent expense for you. Yeah, we got to get a flight uh, yeah. plane sponsorship. So listen, Delta, Delta, and Marriott. Please. Let's get in. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I imagine in the next three years, you're only going to see even more and more. Um, so I think that's good for everybody. The rising tide lifts all boats, all players. Get all right. This. We'll end with this one, which I actually think is a pretty good question. What are your thoughts on crowds being rowdy or quiet during a point? Jimmy, what are your thoughts? Um, so I think that, I mean, obviously you come from tennis, right? And so tennis, it's very quiet. You can't say a word during the point after the point ends, you see a small, we'll call it a small eruption. Usually if it's a really exciting point and then it goes back to being quiet. Pickleball. I think that they're trying to stick with that. Um, I think sometimes when the crowds, you know, we've heard this in tournaments, we've heard people yell out Mm -hmm. during tournaments. We've heard people yell, no PPA Red Rock. I think Leia turned to the crowd and actually it was Newport. It was Newport. Newport. Yeah. Yeah, And told them that's like, be quiet. That's not your call. Um, so I do think that because of partner communication, I think because of line call, I think because lots of things that the crowds should essentially be quiet. And then after the points over go crazy and then shut up again while they're playing the point. Yeah. That's my thought. I don't know. You, you tell me. So it's a little bit, I think I'm fine either way. Um, once again, I think the rules, whatever they are, need to be clearly stated because right now we're in a weird 
transition period where people don't necessarily know, is this tennis or is this not tennis? Is this basketball? Can I cheer or can I not? And yeah. so people don't necessarily know if the players knew that expectation saying, Hey, uh, fans and spectators, they can cheer whenever they want. Then I think a lot of players would have that understanding say, Hey, um, there might be people cheering everything like that. Me personally, I don't want it to be tennis, but I also don't want it to be a madhouse where people are literally blowing air horns, screaming right before you hit it. Cowbells. Exactly. I can understand a little bit of chatter or something during a point. Um, But one thing that's unique about pickleball um, is that fans and spectators are literally maybe within 10 feet, if that, maybe even closer to the players. Yeah. Basketball, football, baseball, fans can say whatever they want, but they're also, for the most part, 20 to 50 uh, plus feet away. Yeah. And so I think that... um, that is a little bit different and changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, I think um, a lot of players, they're going to start um, doing extremely well or extremely bad. I felt like there's some players that if I truly, truly wanted to rattle, it'd be a jerk thing of me to do, but I could literally say something to them after every single point and that would really uh, mess up their game. Yeah. And so it plays a mental toll on a, on a lot of these players, but I think... Um, we just need to have an understanding of what those rules are. I don't know if you saw the finals, Newport, or it wasn't finals, it was quarterfinals. Uh, Pablo Teos, Federico versus Tyson and James. Uh-huh. And Tyson had some fans there that were being extremely rowdy. And he was trying to pump them up. Yeah. Yeah, and Tyson was pumping up those fans. He yeah. was he was trying to get them to be rowdy. And I think those guys were starting to kind of tiptoe the line and kind of get personal with Pablo, which... I mean, where's the line? I mean, even in NBA where you can say a lot of things, LeBron's had fans kicked out because yep. they started talking about yeah. his family, his kid yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Ru- so- Russell Westbrook follows fans back to the <laughs> locker room. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 And so it's a pretty interesting dynamic. I mean, those were extreme examples, but it, I could easily see pickleball going there if there aren't rules set in place. So, so if there's a long rally, for instance, and maybe, you know, I mean you know, you hit a tweener in the middle of that rally or something like that. And the fans start to cheer. You're mm-hmm. okay with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If but they're if people cheering, are like talking to you, like yes. right before you hit, yeah. they don't miss or something. Yeah. Especially when they're three to five feet away. It's the difference so between cheering you. and heckling. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And even heckling is fine to some extent. Like people, when they're shooting free throws at basketball, don't miss it. Yeah. You suck. Sure. Everything like that. Yeah. But once again, LeBron James has had multiple fans kicked out because he doesn't like what they're saying. Yeah. And that's so fair. there has to be a, a line that's yeah. drawn. And right now, I don't think anybody knows what that line is. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So um, anything else you'd like to talk about? I think that's it. We kind of went a little bit long today, but yeah, uh, hopefully we uh, covered some fun topics. Any spicy things? Not me. All Jimmy. I hope you don't get in trouble for that stuff. Is there a PPA code of conduct that you have to sign? Is there an honor code for the PPA? Uh, not yet, but okay. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets okay, implemented good. soon. Well, I hope you don't get in trouble. I hope you don't get fined. Pablo got fined, right? For flipping off the crowd? He did get fined. I mean, I don't know what that amount was. What's the I, fine? Like, I can't imagine it being more than $100. Pablo, don't do it again. Yeah. There's your fine. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, once again, like, are the fans able to say whatever they want and the players not react to that at all? Yeah, I think you could have, I think that the players should have, you know, I think some pl- some players might take this to the extreme, <laughs> but you should be able to have a fan removed if, yeah, you know, if they're crossing the line, Yeah, right? So yeah, I think that's interesting. Hey, I have one random question before we wrap up. Do those video boards bother the players? Yes, well, yeah. I mean, it depends on the lighting of the day. I, you're in 
daytime where it's bright, um, it doesn't affect it. But if it's towards the end or in the morning where it's a little bit dark, those the lighting is huge. That was the, yeah, because I noticed in when. Annalie and Jack played in the Oh gym. man, we forgot to talk about uh paddles being banned, the white colored paddles being banned. Oh, yeah. Yes. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean visual accuracy or visual being able to perceive a ball on white paddles, it slows down your reaction time by a slight maybe one tenth of a second, probably even less than that. Mm-hmm. But just that slight hesitation is going to affect your yeah. your stroke, that your contact sense. point. Huh. So I think PPA and PPA and NLP are starting to implement things with that. And I think that's from what I heard, uh, why Annalise stopped playing with a white paddle. Okay. That makes sense. And the last tournament in North Carolina, because yeah. she was using a white paddle yeah. and I think quite a few people complained about it. Um, and so she actually switched it out, which was a really yeah. nice thing of her. That to is do. nice of her. Speaking of paddles, 138 paddles tested at North Carolina, zero delaminated. So, Hey, impressive. Maybe we're past that. Hopefully. Fake controversy, in my opinion. Anyways, thanks again to the Pickler Shop for sponsoring this episode. Make sure you use ambassadors for your next uh, paddle, bag, gear, whatever it is. Um, Check them out. And once again, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.